Hello and welcome back to this week's Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Tash. I'm Emma. And I'm Becky. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Becky's a bit poorly. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, I'm going to drink a lot of honey, honey tea, and hopefully by the time it gets to my story, I'll sound a little bit better. If not, we have suave, sexy, croaky Becky today. Hi. (laughs) Husky. 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 Is that a word? Husky? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, husky husky is a word, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't know. I, got, I was like, is that just, have I just said a random type of dog for no reason? <laughs> corgi? Corgi? Corgi voice? <laughs> oh, dear. So, Tash, are you okay, babe? I'm all good, thanks, darling. Fantastic. How are you? Oh, do you know, I don't think life gets any better than this. Fucking living the dream, aren't we? We are. We are, we are. Hurry up and make us rich so we can really start living this dream. <laughs> I tell you what, though, to be fair, our lovely listeners, two of them um, obviously listened to our podcast from last week, no, that I published on Tuesday, saying, you've got fans, I'm a fan, you are allowed to have fans, and I was like, oh, but it's so cringy, and they were like, nope, sorry, you have fans, so that was very sweet of them, that was very sweet. I can do the song from last week. Tash, do you want to see, tell everybody what it was? It was Bye Bye Miss American Bye. Oh, the dim and dim and dim and dim and dim. Maybe it was dry. How do you not know the lyrics? I do, but I panicked because I think I got the words wrong straight away and I panicked. I panicked. So I have, right, buckle in. Verity. Big up to Verity. Yo, yo, yo. First answer. I don't think Verity's answered one yet, has she? She's my mama. She is your mama. No, she hasn't answered before. She always begs me to tell her the answer and I say no. Well, welcome to the game, Verity. Welcome to the game. We got JT. I think JT's answered before. J to the T, T, T. Yup. <laughs> it's gonna be one of them in it <laughs> i've got ruth hello ruth bravo well ruth i've got pippa ruth knows the truth well done and i think again pippa i think that's the first time she's played the game so welcome to the game pippa you're now in never it knew. you shall never leave <laughs> i also got randy Woo! welcome back Randy gets it right every time. Well done, Randy. Randy is racking up the points. And this is really exciting. I got someone what? on YouTube. Hello. You to the tube. <laughs> YouTube with our, wait for it, 18 subscribers now. 18. Ooh, sh- fucking my age. <laughs> 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 Somebody commented under the video, and I don't know what your real name is, but they are called Somewhere in Time I Am. They got it right too. So well done to you. And thank you for listening on YouTube. Thanking you. Yeah, YouTube, man. Made me feel all fuzzy. Oh, lovely. What a day. What a day. I also got a correct answer from Jason. So thanks, Jason. Oi, oi, Jason. Bravo. Gold star for you. Becky, anything? Uh, and that, that was it. No, I haven't got anything on the emails. 
Right, hang on. No, not, not song answers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Got seven right answers, guys. I wanted ten letdowns. And Nicole and Stacey, where were you guys? Yeah, come on, girls. Okay. Anyway, if I've missed anyone, I'm really sorry. And feel free to get in touch and shout at me. And I will sort it out and correct it next week. Also, I would like to say that it was the original version, not... Don McLean. Yeah, it was Don McLean rather than Madonna. Okay. I did get somebody answer Madonna, but I was like, eh, it's close enough. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, same difference, like literally the same same lyrics, but... Oh, Tash. Yeah. And, and Becky, you yeah. can listen to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Do you know what I found on my face? <laughs> skin? On your face? Yeah, there was some skin. Was it a long hair? Yes. Was it, it was a really one long the, one? It was a really long blonde hair That's that so was just... weird, isn't it? Where did it come from? And it was like sticking out. There's no way I can miss that. It's so odd. I also get a long dark hair just above my wrist on my forearm, but the underside. So I've got a tattoo on my wrist and it's it's just a long hair that's just near there. But I pull it out, but I also look out for it. And I look for it often and often it's not there. And then all of a sudden I'll look one day and it's there and it's really long again. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand so it. So weird. People need to uh, tell us if they know the answers. How does this happen? Why does it happen? Have you seen those ingrowing hair videos on uh, TikTok? Oh, I, I love, love a good ingrowing hair. <laughs> Me too. I fucking love that. When Especially the so beard long. hairs and there's like a load, like a big group, like yeah. a family of hairs living in there. And I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. There's a big yeah. clump, like a whole fucking wig. I touch my face a lot, like run my fingers along it. I feel a big yeah. lump of hair in there. Even if I had a beard, I'd run my fingers through that bad boy. Ben's got a beard. He's constantly touching it. When he thinks, he strokes his face. Does he? Yeah, it's like a therapeutic... That's so weird, though, isn't it? Because if he didn't have a beard, he wouldn't stroke his chin. Oh, I, mean, I think maybe he would. Maybe he would. I don't know. I can't think back to when he didn't have a beard. but he'd... No, no, he wouldn't because he plays with it. He, like, twiddles it between his fingers. Oh, do you remember, do you remember that uh, show called Embarrassing Bodies? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where they, like, yeah, it was all, like, embarrassing um, illnesses and stuff. The most ridiculous show because people were too embarrassed to go to their GP but behind they'd go closed on TV. doors, but they'd go on I national think, well, TV I think they were like... paid, and also it was, like, embarrassing things that it is embarrassing, like, it's an embarrassing thing. They might not necessarily be that embarrassed about it. But one of the worst, well, no, there was loads of bad ones. But one of the ones for some reason, yeah, crusty things. And it's my hate of crustiness that has made me remember this one. Yes. Was this man, he came in and I don't know, he was like between 20 and 30. He was like a quite young, a young lad to come in. Actually, no, I think he was early 20s. And uh, he came in, he had all these scabs all over his head, but they were look really sore. They looked really angry, all these big scabs all over his head. And they looked into it and like swabbed his head and stuff. And he come, you know, they go away and then they come back in for the results, don't they? Mm. And the lady was like, 
actually we found a fecal matter on your head and what you're doing is you're scratching your bum and then scratching your head and creating these big scars on your oh head. Oh my god. How'd you get over they that? They were literally everywhere all over his, That's all over his head. So he was like having a good bum scratch sniffing his hand and then oh, scratching his head. Please well, they didn't stop. mention the sniffing, but I bet he sniffed. Oh my god, that is so disgusting. <laughs> Why do we get onto these topics? He just pops into my head every now and again, just the scratchy bum head man. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. There was way worse stuff on there. I'm changing the subject. I can't listen to that. I'm sorry, I can't talk about poo heads. What I would like to talk about is times where I've been so scared... I thought I was going to die. And there's one time that... <laughs> Sorry, are you laughing at me? Thinking I'm, I'm laughing die? at poo head. <laughs> she hasn't got over the poo head yet. I admit, oh, it's, I, I hope can't. everyone called him poo head. <laughs> Such a poo head shithead. <laughs> It'll be like that thing that someone somewhere will recognize him or you know when someone pops up on tiktok because they are that person so you know the guy that's the fish and rice cake guy yeah do you know this man he's like it was from like years ago and he was like in the morning i'm gonna have me me fish and a rice cake and then i'll have me fish (laughs) And then I'll have me fish and me rice cake again. And then I'll have some more fish. And it just literally goes through this like 10 times. Never heard of this man. Oh my God, it's the weirdest like, it must have been like a bodybuilding. Oh, sorry, my my headphones cut out there. But was it the guy who was like, oh, and for breakfast I had rice and fish. And then for lunch I had rice and fish and or fish. Is it him? Yeah, and it literally yeah. is just that over and over again. But at one point, he's like really trying to think what he has. Oh, yeah. It's just like... Oh, yeah. Rice and fish. <laughs> yeah, it's just the most ridiculous video. And he But every time like he showed his video, what he was going to eat, he showed you it like it was something new. Oh, on this today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was rice and fish. <laughs> yeah. But he's like now... I've seen him on TikTok like now... And he's just like a normal person now. So like he was such an airhead back then and now he's like, we're right. And that poo head will be like that, won't they? Yeah, I'm going to feel so good. No. He'll probably be on TikTok <laughs> somewhere. Uh, Tash, what are you, you're afraid of dying. What's What was the deal? I'm not afraid of dying, but I remember one time, <laughs> this one time at <laughs> band camp, um, <laughs> when I was at um, college and would stay there in the week and then go home at the weekends obviously you'd have fire drills and at that point in my life I would go to bed quite early Mm. um so I'd probably been asleep from like eight o'clock the fire alarm went off at 11 o'clock obviously like had been asleep for ages so must have been like a really deep sleep when it went off yeah and it scared me so much like absolutely terrified me like a panic attack inducing fear did you wet yourself well not quite i think now after having two children i definitely would have wet myself oh absolutely absolutely and i just remember uh, the feeling even now talking about it i remember feeling so petrified thinking 
You know, like, you know, when you're so anxious and scared about something that even though you know that it was an alarm and that it didn't really, really happen, I still thought, but what what if at the exact moment the alarm went off, a real fire started, but because it was a fire alarm, we now just don't know that there's a real fire. You know, when you go over a scenario like that in your head. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You're not alone. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes and no. Yeah, no. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So you knew it was fake, but you thought that possibly maybe there could be one. And then that fear. It had scared me so much that I was in such a state of fear after it happened that I couldn't get out of my head the thought that it may have been real or that a real fire may have started at the exact same time and so the alarm didn't go off because it was already going off. Yeah. Like nuts. Mad. Anyway, this story sounded a lot better in my head. (laughs) I've got um, a time somebody made me jump so bad I farted. (laughs) 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 That was exactly it. And it was... It was, I still think about it to this day because it was mortifying because I was only probably like 16 and it was this boy I really liked. He came came up behind me and he proper like jabbed me in the size like to tickle me, you know, in a flirtatious way because we were kind of like circling each other at that point. And you were like holding in a fart. I wasn't, I didn't even know I needed to fart, but it made me jump so bad. I screamed and with the scream I farted. (laughs) (laughs) And to this day I'm like, did he hear it? Did he hear it? Did, did he hear it? We never got together. I think he might have heard it. <gasps> what an asshole for not getting with you, if that's the case. It's just a fart. But it haunts me. You know those things? It's just a fart. That just stick with you. No, but I've had that. I was having... um, I had someone over to watch a film. It genuinely was to watch a film. We didn't look up. It was a funny film. And I really... I'd been holding it in a fart. And I really, really laughed and I farted. <laughs> oh, did it come out in tufts as well as you were laughing as you were going, ha, No, ha, I think ha, it, it just go? came out and um, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. What is it? It's mortifying. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've definitely deleted farts off the soundtrack of our podcast before. <laughs> 100%. I mean, I fart all the time on here because sometimes you just can't help it. Also, can you imagine us sat here for like... I think, I don't know, last episode or the episode before, I definitely fart. Two and a half hours. But then also, my chair does make a fart noise. So sometimes it sounds like fart, but it's not fart. <laughs> what you can do, Emma, is, is like a compilation of all our farts. <laughs> yeah, fart or chair. <laughs> people have to guess who it is. <laughs> Who's fart? And we is have it to anyway? like, we have to send that person a little present. I think we um, need to start remembering that people actually listen to this and uh, move on. <sighs> Tinder with Tash. Tinder with Tash. <laughs> Get some- 
If the if there's no Tinder with Tash, I'm gonna find poop head guy and put you in contact with him. See if he's oh, single. Don't, I couldn't. Maybe he's the one. No. Maybe he's cleaned up his act. Well, let's do the jingle. Have you done the jingle? Stick that jingle on. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Tash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out, because it's Tinder with Tash. Anyway, Tinder with Tash this week is quite boring, quite quick. But I have... It, does it beat the fire alarm story? Because that had me on it <laughs> on my toes, man. You've broken so out. She's doing it a little was so crap. <laughs> yeah, but it did like, it did lead on to my fart story, so <laughs> anyway, Tinder with Tash. It's a little bit dry, guys, I'm not gonna lie. I have matched with somebody who I have definitely matched with at least six times before. If he's got a scabby head, no. <laughs> yeah, so he'll be like, excuse me, can I see the top of your head? Shall I ask him that? Shall I ask him if he's got a scabby head? Mm. Just say, have you ever been on the well-known TV show that was shown in the UK? Like, which is embarrassing bodies. Just generally, is there any part of your body crusty? Yeah. Do you scratch your ass and then scratch your face or head? Are your toes crusty? Not down for that. <laughs> oh, crusty toes. <sighs> no, what I have led with is that on some dating apps, they prompt you. They can give you a question that you can both answer and then answers to be revealed. You both have to have answered the question. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so I asked, what's something you've done and will never do again? So I have asked this question to people before and my normal answer is marry my ex-husband because I think I'm hilarious. Uh, but also 100% correct, don't do that again. Yeah, that'd be awkward, wouldn't it? Um, I can see you pulling that one out in the conversation um, and it would be hilarious, comedic effect. But what I have chosen to say is go ape, full stop, awful, would not recommend to a friend. Go ape. The, activi- the activity thing. Yeah. What's go ape? I I need some education. Oh, it's called acro branch in French. Oh, okay. You know, in the when trees. You, you're, you're, you're up in the trees. Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. On the zip lines. Not a fan. Fucking love that. How do you not like it? Because I've got massive vertigo. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I guess I may have vertigo, but I didn't really think that I did. But I don't like the feeling of nothing underneath me. Yeah. Heights don't bother me. But like, I wouldn't walk over like a glass floor. Oh, I'm not a big fan of that. I must. No. Or like, even, you know, when you take the kids to soft play, I don't particularly like going up in those because I just feel like there's nothing underneath me. Yeah. No, I don't like that either, but I'm scared of heights as well. But I don't mind a building. Like, I'll go up in a high building. No, that makes me funny. I always feel like the building's moving. Well, some do, don't they? 
oh, don't tell me that. Um, anyway, what I really need help with is how do I get this person's attention? Because I feel like we've matched now several times. I have actually seen this person in person. Yeah. And we like this person, yeah? Uh, well, I don't really know him, but like physically, I find him attractive. How do we get his attention? Well, I'm asking you because basically this zones out within 21 hours. So I have to get his attention in 21 hours. Or, or do I Facebook stalk him and mess, private message him on Facebook? Is that too much? Oh, yeah. Don't stalk him on Facebook. That's okay, definitely. Okay, no, okay. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, I don't think stalking's the answer in many things. <laughs> no. Don't think, there's not very often that stalking is the right way to go, unless you're like a private detective and like, you know, chasing down a bad person. But I wouldn't, I'd steer away from stalking. Yeah. As a friend, I'm telling you. <laughs> Too far. <laughs> no. I'll take that advice on board. I'll take that on board. Okay. But it's it's annoying because we've matched like every time I come off, dating apps and then go back on and we match well why don't you just message him saying hey we keep matching and we never actually talk to each other let's have a chat i think i did that last time and he still didn't respond so that but then why fucking match with me again do you know what i mean i'm just annoyed by that well why don't you say why fucking match with me again you're annoying let's not be aggressive though (laughs) oh i'm just Mate, I'm not the right person to ask. I fart when scared, like <laughs> some kind of skunk. <laughs> Definitely not the right person to ask. Literally had to get drunk and get my husband drunk to get a husband. <laughs> and um, and then I saw a meme today, which actually made me feel really sad. So listeners, feel sorry for me. Being single past 30 is like playing hide and seek, except nobody is looking for you. I saw that oh, and it made me so mate, sad. Mate, that cut so hard. I was like, yes, that's right. So, yeah, sad for me. You're a strong, independent woman, but yes, it's, you, don't, you don't need no man. But I kind of, you know, I want you to have what you want. We will find Tasha boyfriend. Look. TikTok, that guy. <gasps> oh, yeah. There's a guy on TikTok. He's yeah. down. There is. Has he messaged back? I don't think so. Let's have a look. For those that haven't seen, I basically stitched a video on TikTok of the man chopping wood. I basically was just being a massive pervert. One of our fans on TikTok put, I would love to be your man. I'm just as hot as that dude or hotter. It's true, he did. And I, for one, believe him. Oh, I didn't see that he'd replied to the fact that he chops wood. So I asked him if he chopped wood and he said he does. So marry that man. (laughs) TikTok boyfriend. (laughs) Piggy snort. (laughs) Oh, you'll have quite a few of the piggy snorts. Shall we crack on? Have you finished Tinder with Tosh? Yeah, yeah, that was it this week. I don't know what to say about my story because it is out there. What I can say is that all my research was basically based off multiple interviews. So it's a little bit patchy. I've I've put it together the best I can. I can say the interviews definitely happened. So this is all true as far as I know. But it is pretty out there. 
I'm going to be talking about Mel's hole this week. Oh, is it a porn? Mel. <laughs> it's not a porno. Mel, he or she or other or what? Or what is it? A place? He, Mel. Mel is a he. Masculine. Yes. And he has a hole. No. Some say he has two. <laughs> As you will see in the story, he does indeed have two. So this week begins with a late night radio show called Coast to Coast. Now, I'm sure everybody in America is like, oh, yeah, Coast to Coast. We've never heard of it. But apparently it's very, very famous in America. So its host was a guy called Art Bell, and they covered an array of topics, but mostly paranormal stories and conspiracy theories. The show is still running today, but Art Bell stopped in 2003 after being its host since 1988. He had been there for quite some time. That is quite some time, you're right. It is, it is. In 1997, Art receives a fax from a certain Mel Waters, claiming he had a bottomless pit on his property near the town of Manastash in eastern Washington. And I'm sorry if I've butchered that name, but um, it looks like Manastash, so that's what I'm saying. Manastash. Mel had lived there for two years. The previous owners had lived there for around 40 years before him, and the hole had always been there. It was there before the old owners had moved onto the land. The land was near or on Native American land, and apparently, they said, it had always been there. It was known as the Devil's Hole, and they would not go near it. It was nine feet across and had stones around the top and lining some of the walls down, but eventually it just had dirt walls and bedrock. Mel had installed a grate to go over it with a lock to avoid anyone falling down there. So Art found this story interesting, so he got Mel on the show for an interview. Now, Mel had some very strange claims about this hole. He said people around town used it as a dumping ground. They would just roll up and chuck whatever down there. Old fridges, mattresses. Some guy even chucked a dead cow. So you get the oh, idea. Oh, God. Anything. Got like a whole cow. Yeah, well, it's a ho- you know, they've got a hole. Stick it in there. And to be fair... Farmers do do this because we're renovating a property and one of our farmer friends came and got a load of rubble and said, oh, I'll just stick it in a hole. So there you go. They do, farmers have holes. They do in their field because um, one of our friend's uh, sons, well, friend of a friend's son fell in, into one of them. But well, it wasn't bottomless. It wasn't bottomless. It was really bad. Uh, he, they called him in for lunch. It was at his granddad's farm. They called him in for lunch, him and his friend. His friend turned up and they were like, you know, where is um, Kevin? Where's Kevin? And he turned around and was like, well, Kevin was right behind me. They waited for a little while and he didn't turn up and they went and scoured the field for him and he just like disappeared out of nowhere in this big open field. And then the granddad's stomach like dropped to his knees and he was like, oh my God, is it? Is he in one of these holes? So they went and checked and yeah, he was in one of the holes and it was water in it. Oh, oh shit. He was okay. They got him out. But it was like, really, you know, like he had to go to hospital and then, you know, because he'd, he'd breathed in a lot of the manky water yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah, fine. Yeah. He's absolutely fine now, but God. What was the hole there for? 
I think it had, um, he'd put like a thing around it so that they wouldn't go near it. And it kind of, it's almost like a little sinkhole. They, they open up in every, every now and again. I don't know whether when they plow the fields and stuff, it kind of sets them off. Uh, and he meant to, um, fill it in the week before his grandkids came to stay and didn't get round to it. And then, yeah, anyway, the next day he filled it in. God, I bet he was beating himself up. Oh, God, yeah. Bless him. He's such a nice man as well. <laughs> yeah, but it all, all ended well. He's fine. He's fine now. But, yeah, there. he doesn't like the grandkids playing in the field anymore. No, I bet. I bet. But uh, I'm glad he's okay. I, I know that these holes just open up. So, so farmers have holes. It is a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So Mel had a hole and people just chucked stuff down it. Did Mel charge people to chuck stuff down his hole? No. Oh, very accommodating of him. You know that, there's a hole in my bucket, Delilah. <laughs> I just got that. There's a hole in my land, Mel. <laughs> I've just got in my head since you mentioned the hole. You're a knob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't scratch my ass and scratch my head. Oh, so I'm better than some people. We would not be friends. <laughs> Every time we mention it, I literally want to gag so bad. Oh, sorry, Tash, I'll stop mentioning it. None of us are crusty because none of us would be able to deal with crustiness. True? true. Yeah, true. Oh, I'm no. not crusty. That was a very suspicious silence there, girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not crusty. Right, so... You'd think the hole at some point would fill up, right? Uh, well, yeah, I guess so, yeah. But no, it never did. So Mel began thinking that it was just plain weird over the years. It should at least be somewhat full. So he decided to see how deep it was. He was a shark fisherman. So just a side note, even though I'm absolutely terrified of sharks, can we leave them alone, please? Yeah. But anyway, this meant he had some serious fishing gear. So he decided to first lower down a suite to see if it hit water, because if it hit water, then the suite would dissolve. So he lowered it down to about 1,500 feet and then pulled up the suite still intact. So there was no water. Mm. He then put a weight on his line and started lowering and lowering and lowering, adding reel after reel of fishing line until he got to 80,000 feet which is about 15 miles. What? That's a lot of line. I'm no geologist, but I do vaguely know something about water tables and event like there should have been water there. Well, there wasn't. And I don't think at this point he'd even hit bottom. He'd just stopped at 15 miles. Who's got 15 miles of, of rope or a line? That's weird in he, Well, he does. He kept buying it and buying it and buying it. And just like knotting it together. <laughs> yeah. So that would make it by far the deepest hole known on Earth. Well, quite. I mean, it's very far, isn't it? 15 miles. It is. I wonder how long it took him to lower that rope down, like that wire Oh, this down. is over months and months and months. He'd do a bit and then go in and do a bit more the next day, oh, you know. Oh, okay. So Mel continued to say he had tried lowering lights down there, but eventually they just got so far that it got dark. Yeah. You know, your eye can't see that far. He said, if you shout down the hole, there's absolutely no echo, and that if you throw something down there, you will never hear it hit the ground. 
he said there was no wildlife around the hole and that even his own dogs who followed him everywhere would dig their heels in if he tried to bring them anywhere near the hole. Wow. So the story, of course, got the listeners really intrigued and people started... I mean, started, I'm intrigued. Well, it gets weird. Stay, stay tuned, stay tuned. People start calling in with ideas and suggestions. Some suggested that the line had already hit bottom, but that the line remained taunt under its own weight. Now, I don't know what that means, so don't ask me for an explanation. Another said that under the laws of physics, the line would have snapped because the weight of the line would exceed its own strength, which Mel agreed with. It definitely would have done, and yet it hadn't snapped. I don't, I, I don't understand what that means. No, no, neither do I, but that's what they said, so I thought I'd better stick it in there. It's something <laughs> to do with the... <laughs> Becky, hopefully someone will understand. (laughs) Becky, do you want to explain? No. No. (laughs) Something to do with the the, the fact that he's reeling down all of this fishing line, this really strong fishing line, right? It's made for catching sharks, that eventually the weight of it, it would snap the line because the line wasn't made to support the weight that was already down there does that make sense i guess so but we're gonna stay with that right fine listen again not i'm not a physiologist if that even is even what you call it a physicist a physicist (laughs) physiologist oh my god um See, people never give up on your dreams because look at us. <laughs> look at us go. So they, do they mean that the, the, the weight of the line was so... There's so much of it that it was heavier than what the actual line could take? Yes. That's it. Well, see? Science for Becky. Science for Becky. Science for Becky. Jingle, jingle. I need my own jingle for that. Science. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go... Science every time I say something. <laughs> so some of the weirdo suggested throwing a cat down there and listening for when it stopped crying out in fear to s- a cat. Oh, oh fucking hell! Yeah. Why? Why do they always do cats? There's worse animals you could throw down there, isn't there? Yeah, there's asshole animals like fucking seagulls. They're assholes. <laughs> they can fly. They, they can fly. Exactly assholes to the point that they still assholes because they can't be used in an experiment like that <laughs> but yeah no even seagulls shouldn't throw them down holes it's not no nice. we, let's not throw them down why do they get like a little alarm and throw that down why animals well he suggested throwing a cat down there and listening for when it stops crying out in fear to see how deep it was much to the disgust of the radio host and mel so nobody's throwing a cat down there and us good just to clear that up good art so the radio host said they needed to lower someone down there and mel was like no way he said the temperatures would be too high going that deep and he was also worried about air quality or dangerous gases down there. Hold on, the temperatures would be high? Well, yeah, because the lower you get to the centre of the earth, the hotter it gets. Oh, God, yeah, look, science with Emma now, fucking hell. Yeah. What's, what's, what year is this? This is in 1997. Lower a camera down there. So does it, hold on, I want to go back to the heat situation. <laughs> but if you dig, it gets cool, doesn't it? 
I think it's because it's so far down. Okay. I mean, this is 15 miles down. This yeah, you're is right. Like That's quite far. Lava territory. Okay, I take it back. So Mel's like, we're not putting someone down this hole. We don't know about the air quality. We don't know about dangerous gases down there. Despite one caller actually volunteering to go down Mel's hole. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go down your hole. Mel, of course, was not up for this. He didn't want to be responsible for someone hurting Who can blame Mel? (laughs) You need to get to know someone before you offer that. (laughs) Yeah. So he didn't want to be responsible for someone hurting themselves or worse. In his hole. It is in his hole. Gentle. Be gentle with it. (laughs) Mel continued with a very strange story that him himself had not seen, but he had been told by a neighbour who had thrown his dead hunting dog down the hole, only to see his dog alive and well running around the woods. It was the same dog, no doubt, same collar and everything. So what gets thrown down the hole comes back to life? So, Mel said that when he died, he'd requested to be thrown down the hole, just in case the dog story was true. He admitted to Art that if he was ever diagnosed with a terminal illness, he would absolutely throw himself in. Wow. So, Mel swore on the Bible that this entire story was true, and the interview ended. Another quirky story for Coast to Coast, but sadly, it was far from finished for Mel. Ooh. I know, The next day, as he tried to go home, he was stopped by some important-looking people telling him that he couldn't access the property as there had been a plane crash. Now, Mel didn't believe them for one second. There was no smoke or any signs of such a thing happening on his land. When he objected, he was told that they could easily find a meth lab if he didn't turn around. We aren't sure who they are, but Mel suspects them to be from the government but he also saw some people wearing hazmat suits wandering about. Men in black. Hmm, possibly. The government then asked Mel to rent his land from him for $250,000 a month if he would move away. Of course, Mel jumped at this and relocated to Australia. I mean, there's not... (laughs) Bye! Yeah, you're not going (laughs) to say that. (laughs) I like my hole, but you can have my hole. (laughs) In Australia, Mel set up a wombat rescue centre. A wombat rescue centre? Yeah, yeah. Bats? Wombats. A wombat. I thought you said one bat. (laughs) (laughs) The shittest rescue centre ever. We can only have one bat at a time. (laughs) I'm stopping at one. Don't want overcrowding. (laughs) You're (laughs) <laughs> no not wombats what does a thing. wombat look like uh aren't they like a more mousier looking koala yeah i think you're right i don't know but anyway so he sets up his wombat rescue center as he's now extremely wealthy and lived quite happily for two years over there He was allowed to take his dogs and some of his plants because when he was back in the States, he grew medicinal plants. What, uh, weed? Well, this just says medicinal plants. So he was allowed to take his dogs and plants over to Australia, which is entirely against regulations. I mean, Yeah, I'm troubled by that. Has, has nobody watched Border Enforcement? Exactly. But he was allowed to because they wanted, you know, they wanted him gone. Uh, He got paid on time every month from 1997 to 1999. 
1999, Mel returned to the States to visit family. This apparently put the government's nose out of joint and he was served papers saying he was in violation of building codes and his land was being seized. His payments were also stopped. One day after helping his nephew move, Mel got on a bus where there was some kind of argument and the police were called. As a witness, he needed his statement, but he refused, saying he really had to get back to Olympia, which is where the rest of his family were. The police, oddly, offered him a lift in their van, and he accepted. And that's the last thing Mel remembers from that bus trip. He woke up 12 days later in an alley in San Francisco. He'd been beaten up, it looked like he'd been hooked up to a drip, and even weirder, someone had removed all of his molars. What? What? Well, I don't, yeah, that's what. That's how the story goes. All of his molars. All of his back teeth. Yeah. Well, how's he going to eat steak? <laughs> it would be hard to chew anything without your molars. Yeah. Okay. Throughout all of this, Mel is still in touch with Art Bell, as his listeners were absolutely obsessed with Mel's hole, and so. After hearing about what Mel had just been through, Art got his teeth sorted for him. I thought it was very nice of him. All the money Mel had been saving from his monthly payments had now vanished from his accounts, and his wombat rescue was closed and his employees had been fired. And those wombats, they were just chucked out on the street. Oh, street wombats. Yeah. Oh, I want to bet they got into some hard drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's who gave all the koalas chlamydia. (laughs) (laughs) So Mel now, he's got no hole, no money, no wombats, and also no belt buckle. So why is this important? Well, Mel, you see, made his own belt buckles. So it was kind of sentimental value. He grabbed a bus to Ellensburg because he vaguely remembered that someone had bought an almost identical belt buckle from him, and sure enough, they had, and he bought it back. Mel used old coins in his buckles, and upon examining this one, he noticed that the dime was weird. It was minted in 1943, even though no dimes with Roosevelt's face were minted in 1943. Also, every coin has the letter of the city it was minted in on it, This one had the letter B. No city beginning with B ever minted coins. So perplexed, he took the coin to a collector who had no explanation but did offer a large sum of money to buy the coin. He said he'd think about it, but then the next day someone from the Treasury Department came to confiscate it from him. What an asshole. Mm. Richard C. Hoagland, I think that's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that said, <laughs> Hoagland, a yeah. hyperdimensional physics theorist, said that the coin could have possibly come through the hole from a parallel universe, as they couldn't find any other explanation. Mel had no idea what his land now looked like, and more worryingly, it appears that his wife had also vanished. Not more is said about this, but I think it's a pretty massive detail, like his wife's just not there anymore. But let's talk about this creepy hole and just forget that this woman's just vanished. Yeah, she didn't like his hole anyway. (laughs) Yeah, way. So at this point, he also discovers that he has cancer of the esophagus, 
That's basically your throat, isn't it? So all this is relayed to Art on his radio show and it all seems too strange and too weird to be true and people stop believing Mel's story. That is, until he says that when his nephew looked up his old property on the Terra server, which is like an old version of Google Earth. Yeah, as yeah. we spoke about last last week. Indeed, doody. Yeah. The area had been completely blocked out. It's just covered by a big white square. So now the radio listeners obviously went and checked and they saw that it had indeed been blocked out. So now Mel's story seemed believable again. Mel had been back to the area where his hole is and had chatted to a few people in a local truck stop. They said they often saw military vans passing by and that occasionally they saw a beam of black light shooting out from the direction of the hole. Now, as I said above, all this story has been on the radio now and Mel has become very well known as it was a very famous radio show. And his story was just so weird, people were fascinated. And this is how Mel got to the second hole. He was contacted via email by some Native Americans from Nevada, who were interested in learning more about the medicinal plants he grew. They asked if he would come and visit, which he did. They asked him about the plants, and he said the best ones always grew around the hole, and described the plants to them and asked if they'd ever seen anything like it before. And sure enough, they took him to another hole. Oh. This hole was on land that belonged to the Basque, who had settled there. Now, the Basque are a small group of ethnic people who originate from a small region in Europe, so they live quite isolated. Isn't that in Spain? Yes, it is, isn't it? Basque. Yeah. Well, isn't that south of France, Spain type? Yeah, like in between France and Spain, I think it's that kind of area. Mm. Geography with Emma and Becky. <laughs> they had been there since the 1800s and thought that the hole was a spiritual point. It was nine feet across, just like Mel's hole, but instead of stone, it was surrounded by metal that appeared to go down as far as one could see. Like Mel's hole, there was no echo if you shouted down it and if you hit the metal rim, it made no sound either. Oh. Yeah, and animals were also afraid of this hole. Mel and the villagers decided to start experimenting, so they got two buckets of ice, one to keep with them and one to be lowered into the hole. They waited for the ice that was next to them to melt before bringing up the other bucket. The ice that had come from the hole had not melted, and stranger still, it was now warm. So they decided to try to melt it by burning it, and still didn't melt. Instead of melting, guess what it did? It burned? Yep, it caught fire, and it continued to blaze for months. One guy even took some and took it home to put in his stove, and it did the job, kept his house warm for ages, until eventually his stove sunk into the ground, and his house just disintegrated into dust. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, long-term wasn't very good. No, definitely teaches him not to use the death hole ice as an energy source. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, ice is burning, so I'm going to bring it into my family home. That's not weird at all. I think it was just like, ooh, free heat. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that part. I see what you did, but, you know. <laughs> it didn't work out well. 
It did not. A lesson we'll all learn from him, though. Yeah. Don't take burning ice home. If you thought things were weird, hold on to your hats because shit's about to get really <laughs> fucking weird. You mean there's more? You know hats don't suit me. Don't <laughs> wave your hat phrase in front of me. <laughs> hold on to your knickers, girls. I haven't got any on. Oh, well. Free the V. Hold on to some up. So after the ice incident, they decided to lower a sheep in the hole. So, of course, we've got two animals. The sheep, of course, was having none of it, so it fought back as much as a sheep can. But it was like, what the actual fuck? Imagine being that sheep. Oh, look, humans, they're taking me to be shorn. Oh, actually, no, they're lowering me into a massive hole. Poor thing. So the sheep, of course, was having none of it, so it fought back as much as a sheep can. So they knocked it out to be able to get it into a crate. Once in the crate, the sheep again started to go absolutely nuts, screaming and thrashing about. But once above the hole, although the cage was still thrashing, the sheep went completely silent. So it's almost like this hole just, like, absorbs sound. Oh, so it was still, like, moving around, but you couldn't hear it anymore. Yeah, the minute it was over the hole silence i hate that but the the cage was still like thrashing about and everything okay so they lower the sheep down about 1500 feet and then they all felt a weird vibration coming from the metal rim they left the sheep down there for half an hour before pulling it back up the crate was no longer thrashing about and the sheep inside was dead it looked completely normal on the outside So one of the villagers, who was a butcher, said he'd cut it open to see what was going on inside. Oh my God, what are you going to say now? (laughs) You're not ready, let me tell you. Inside the sheep, it looked like it had been cooked. And then they noticed an odd gel surrounding a weird tumour. So they removed the tumour, which was moving. Yeah. So they cut the tumour open and there they saw a little creature that looked like a cross between a human fetus and a seal. It had flippers, but very human eyes. Oh, my God. It was still attached to the tumour by an umbilical cord. They all stood and gazed at this creature for two hours as though it completely hypnotised them. Mel said it had the kindest eyes he'd ever seen. And then, after the two hours, it made its own way back to the hole and jumped back down after giving everyone a knowing nod. (laughs) I know. You know. Goodbye. (laughs) A knowing nod. so weird. What the fuck is going on? I just picture this little bald, flipper, slimy creature. Like baby face creature. I don't know. Why would you look at a tumour alien and think, oh, that has the kindest face I've ever seen? Well, they were like, they looked at it for like two hours. Just like, it's weird. I love your face. (laughs) A knowing nod. (laughs) I'm not going to get over that. (laughs) After that, the villagers said that the creature would crawl out of the hole every so often to visit them, but they described it as being benevolent. 
What's that mean? Meaning? Like, that it was kind, it was good-natured, it didn't mean any harm. Okay. They said it could talk to them through a boombox, but when they tried to record it, they only got a repetition of pulsating noises. There were also some birds that appeared shortly after the sheep incident. They were very colourful and stayed near the hole, and they were apparently bulletproof. Skinwalker Ranch vibes much? And why would you go and shoot a colourful bird, idiots? Who did that? Well, people. People are just arseholes, aren't they? People are arseholes. But isn't that like Skinwalker Ranch? Like the bulletproof wolf, the colourful birds? Mm, Yeah, the knowing nods. (laughs) Mel decided it was time to go, but before he left, one of the village elders gave him something. Not to look at now, but later. And when Mel eventually looked at the object, it was a 1943 Roosevelt dime. Oh, When Mel returned to his family, he was amazed to find out that his cancer had vanished and he was now cured. He firmly believes that it was the whole fetus seal that healed him. Yeah. They're known for that, actually. Yeah. What, whole fetus seals? Yeah. Yeah. Cures of cancer. Yeah. The villager that lost his house from using the strange burning ice contacted Mel and said he was worried as his stove had sunk even further now and was covered by a glass-like substance. Mel thought it might be best to tell one of the government officials he was in contact with when he was living in Australia. This man was extremely concerned and asked to be told where the hole was immediately, which Mel did. A team is sent out to deal with the sinking ice stove. They brought a lot of heavy-duty equipment like cranes, but nothing seemed to work. Even when they used multiple cranes, they still couldn't lift the stove. Then someone thought of pouring water onto the chains around the stove. Now, I've no idea why they thought that, but that's what they did. And that seemed to work. It kind of welded the chains to the stove. And they managed to lift the stove, load it onto a huge lorry, and drove it away to be dealt with. The tumour-born creature warned the Basque about the ice too. It said that it could very quickly destroy the planet if used improperly. It told them that humanity will destroy itself with nuclear war and that there are other beings from other planets that are waiting that we do so so they can move in and use the ice for themselves. Guess who that reminds me of? Do you remember Valiant Thor? He was obsessed with us blowing ourselves up. Yeah, but he wanted to stop it. This little seal fetus is saying they're just waiting for us to do it. Oh, right. That's not nice. And that's a bit close to home at the minute, to be fair. Mm. So this all happened in 2002, and no one has heard from Mel Waters ever since. The only update I found was from 2008 when a tribal medicine man named Gerald Osborne, or Red Elk, his tribal name, claims that all that Mel said was true and that he himself had seen Mel's hole multiple times. <laughs> he said it was an entrance to an underground UFO base. Oh. And once he'd actually seen a UFO hovering over the pit. <laughs> Is it because he saw Mel- Mel's hole multiple times? I think we've been pretty mature about it, to be fair, until this point. <laughs> I think you should let us off. No, I, I knew you'd enjoy it. <laughs> I think we're all allowed to enjoy Mel's hole. 
Yeah. Mel's Hole remains to this day one of the world's greatest paranormal mysteries. There is actually no evidence anywhere that Mel Waters even existed, which might lead people to believe that it was all a hoax. But also, for the more suspicious of us, how hard would it be for the government or whoever was dealing with the holes to make Mel vanish off the face of the planet, at least on paper? Personally, I find it so extremely bizarre, it seems odd that someone would just make it up. But I'll leave you to decide what you think about Mel's hole. I I mean, wild. Yeah, I liked it because it was like a different... I feel like it's a story that had everything. Did you believe it? Oh, yeah. I expect it's like some sort of sinkhole. I thought when you were talking about the second hole, that it'd be like a portal from hole to hole. I thought you oh, were going to okay. say that they chuck some down one hole and it pops up in the other hole. Ah, no. Yeah, that's why I thought. That's why I thought that it was going, but no, it didn't take that turn. It took a different turn. It took a turn of fire ice, <laughs> fire ice, and seal fetuses. Yeah. What the fuck was that? <laughs> a knowing I mean. look. <laughs> a knowing nod. A knowing <laughs> nod. <laughs> <sighs> My work here is done. Yeah. Anyway, Becky. Yeah. Do you want to hit us with some murder? I suppose I can. Um, what I wanted to do was a series because you always do series. 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 And uh, I, I felt a little bit jealous that I never do that. So I've decided to do that with this one because it's quite a long case. It's not really a series. It's more like a two-parter. But, you know. We'll start small and get bigger. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for a two-parter. Yeah. My case is about a man called Abraham Lee Shakespeare, which is an awesome name. Welcome to the table, Abraham. Yeah. Abraham? Lee Shakespeare. Just like Lee, though. Do you know what I mean? No. No. <laughs> I'm just a bit of a shit, shit middle name. Well, it's a it? good middle name because it's only short. Okay, guys, I'm going to have to be a real bummer, but my child is very sick and I need to go and deal with her, so I'm leaving you in the very capable hands of Tash and Bex. Mm-hmm. This is exciting. It feels like... Oh, I don't know if we can cope without you. Yeah, You'll be fine. I feel, I feel like our mum's leaving us in a room, like, unsupervised. <laughs> and I don't know you if know, I can... like, when kids get left with a bowl of sweets and their mum tells them not to eat them. Yeah. that This is what this feels I like. I feel like mum's popping f- to the shops and we're not supposed to burn the house down and I don't know if we're going <laughs> to be able to do it. <laughs> not burn it down. I'm trusting you girls, all right? Bye, mum. We love you. Right, love, love you, you. Bye. Bye. Have bye, fun. Bye, 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 bye. Are you still there? Yeah, we can talk about her now. <laughs> Fucking bitch. <laughs> Leaving us here with a podcast. <laughs> what does she thinks she's doing? It literally does feel like we've been left. You know, when, I don't really um, know what to do. <laughs> your mum would literally leave, wouldn't she? And she'd be like, right, don't answer the phone and don't answer the door. And it feels like someone's knocking at the door and the phone's ringing right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we're both doing whatever we're not supposed to do. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so go on. Yeah. Abraham Lee Shakespeare. Shakespeare, yeah. But now now there's one less of us. I'm thinking, oh my God, is this actually going to be long enough to do in two parts? But I think it should do. 
It should be. And Emma, Emma edits the podcast, so she'll um, she'll catch up. She'll know what's going on, ready for next week. Exactly. Yeah, she'll know. So back to our man, Abraham Lee Shakespeare. So Abraham was born on the 24th of April, 1966, in Florida. Okay. He was the youngest child of his mother, Elizabeth Walker. She was a loving mother and... She was like, took pride in her community. She worked at the cafeteria at her local school and uh, she was part of, like, well, part of her local church and stuff, just like a normal. A pillar of the community. Yeah, that's what I was trying to, was trying to say. Pillar of her community. Loving mum, you know, doing everything right. However, this didn't stop her being poor. They were a poor family. Abraham grew up with not much money at all to the point where he dropped out of school early before he could read or write much and he began to work Mm. with his father in the citrus groves to earn a little bit more money. Okay. Then at the age of 13, he was sent to a detention facility because of theft. He got caught, I don't know... I don't know what he stole though, so I don't know if he stole food, I don't know if he tried to steal a car... I don't really know, but he got put in juvie until he was 18. Oh, okay. So for quite a minute, though. Yeah. I do think that's harsh. I do think he might have, he maybe stole something, either money or like a car, because I'm sure for shop. Maybe it wasn't a first offence as well. Maybe, Maybe, yeah. You know. Yeah. When he got out of juvie, he went and lived with his dad. He tried to find work, but he could only really find odd jobs. But he found them and they kept him busy and kept him straight, you know, rather than going back to stealing. He started an on-again, off-again relationship with a girl called Antoinette Andrews and they had a son together called Moses. Despite their on-again, off-again relationship, Abraham was a good father. He just didn't have a lot of money. Okay. And because of his lack of education and the fact that Abraham spent five years in juvie, it was very hard for him to make money or to get jobs that paid well enough for him to have more than a few dollars in his pocket at a time. And then when Antoinette and Abraham split more permanently, he couldn't afford the child support. And then eventually he got sent to prison after failing to pay court-ordered child support. Wow, that's that's harsh, isn't it? I think it's harsh when they can see that he's not employed. Yeah. Yeah, and because he can't, you know, read or write or has difficulty with that, it's hard to get, like, a normal, well, quote-unquote, normal job. Yeah. So Abraham started going around and spoke to the local businesses to see if they had any odd jobs for him. So he managed to get a few odd jobs at a local superstore making deliveries and stuff like that. He also worked for a business owner, a man called Greg Smith, who owned a barber shop. Abe would pop in and sweep up hair in the barber shop at least three days a week. And eventually him and Greg became friends. Abraham was a happy guy, easy to talk to, and it was really hard not to like him. So Abe would stay back even after he'd he'd finished his shift at the barber shop and they'd just uh, chat with customers, chat with Greg, put the world to rights. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, barbers' shops are a little bit like... Hairdressers. Beauty salons for women, just yeah. having a natter and a yeah, chat. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Greg gave Abraham a nickname, Shaky Boy, 
because of being called Shakespeare. I see what he did there. <laughs> Shaky boy. <laughs> then Abe got a different job making deliveries for Lakeland Food Distributor called MBM. His delivery partner was a guy called Michael Ford. Abe had to have a partner for deliveries because despite being in his 40s, he didn't have his driver's license. Okay. This was mainly because of the written test. Yeah. And also it costs money. It still costs a bit of money to take your driving test. I mean, yeah. And having a vehicle, the extra cost of running a vehicle. Is- yeah, exactly as well. But I had a look at this because I know how expensive it is in France to uh, take uh, your lessons and, and take your driving test. So in America, unlike many other countries, professional driving lessons are not generally required. So you can be taught to drive by your parents. And then when you're ready, you just go down to your local department of motor vehicles, pay your application fee, which is $20 or something like that. You meet an examiner and you have a short practical driving test and sometimes a written test, depending on the state, and then you can just, like, walk out with your driver's license. I'm pretty sure as well, they don't even take you on main roads, do they? Like, they literally just... No, they take you on... on Yeah. In, like, a car It's just either in, in a drive or on, like, low-trafficked roads. I think that's why, like, on YouTube, the dash cam crash videos are a little bit more interesting yeah. in the US <laughs> compared to, like, the France and the UK, where someone, like drives over the roundabout into a plant pot. But also, a lot of people drive automatic cars in America, don't they? Yes. Yeah, because you can get your... Well, I think they've started it in France now as well. You can just get a driving license for automatics. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in France, it usually costs at least a thousand euros to get your driving test. Oh, that's like the bare minimum, isn't it? Yeah. It cost me one thousand. I think but I failed first time and they're really strict about you know a lot of people fail first time yeah you know they're really strict on on stuff so yeah it's just different back to Abe Abe's got this job doing deliveries with his mate Michael on the 15th of November 2006 Abraham and Michael were out delivering a truck full of meat and decided to stop briefly at the Town Star convenience store in Frostproof, Florida, to buy drinks and cigarettes. Michael got out the truck and asked Abe if he wanted a soda or something like that. Abe said, actually, uh, no, I won't, but couldn't you buy me two lottery tickets? Oh, gosh. So Abraham gave his partner $2 for the ticket, so a dollar each, which is also a lot cheaper than what it is here. At that day, in particular, Abraham had $5 to his name. Bless him. Michael came back in. Abraham put the lottery tickets in his pockets and continued with his day at work. That night, he made sure to watch the draw. And he only went and fucking won. He won the lottery. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. If not, I'd have been like, actually, he didn't win. And then something completely different happened. Yeah. But no. He won, and he didn't win a little prize. He won the truly life-changing amount of $30 million. Oh. My. God. That's insane. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. No, he wasn't dreaming. 
he'd actually won. He was thinking to himself, oh my God, no more money troubles. No more problems. My struggles are over. Abraham would be photographed holding that big check for $30 million. So a quick explanation of how the lottery works, in well, in America anyway, but it kind of works the same everywhere. So when you win a, a large amount like that, you have two choices. You can either take it as an annuity, so where you get a certain amount over something like 20 years, and that usually end up getting more this way, closer to the 30 million that he won. Or you can choose the other option, which is where you choose to receive the one-off sum. But this way, the American government would take their share off the large amount. And then also, I didn't write what it was called, but the people that deal with child support. Wow, it's different names in different countries, isn't it? Yeah, different go- the government body that deals with child support. I've took out $9,000 in back payments of child support because that he couldn't pay, which is fair enough. I mean, $9,000 is nothing. Exactly, but still, it's, you know, to Abraham before, $9,000 was an impossible amount, whereas now he might as well pay it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the American government took their very large share, and then also when you get paid in a lump sum, I think the lottery people take off an amount as well. Abraham was left with just over 17 million, which is still a great amount, but that is a lot to pay in fucking taxes. Yeah. I thought lottery money was tax free. It isn't in America. Oh. So I checked this and the French government doesn't tax you for lottery wins, but you do get taxed on the interest. So if you went and like put it in one of those special savings account with for people with money, you'd get taxed on the interest. But I guess you'd get taxed eventually, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you? So when you receive the money, you wouldn't be taxed, but then you'd have to be taxed eventually. Yeah, no, it's just on the interest, not on the actual amount. But if you've got £30 million, the interest on that is going to be intense. You'd live off the interest alone, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd live off the interest, so yeah. But I'd still rather have €30 euros than not have it. Well, it's better than a poke in the eye, as they say, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And so £17 I mean, he went from nothing, what, $5 to £17 It's still good. Yeah. So, yeah, in America, they can tax you on lottery winnings up to 37%. Okay, so quite a lot. So it's the land of the 63% free, not the land of the free. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he would tell the reporters that he he was planning to still live his life on a budget. He didn't want to spend it all and like become like a big, big spender with all of his money. So he says that he wants to invest it and make a difference with his winnings. In January 2007, he created an LLC under the name of Shakespeare and Associates. So the meaning of this like association that he was creating uh, was to do up houses and create more affordable homes for people. Fabulous. Yeah, his plans were to use the organisation also as a non-profit to help his community and those within it and especially those that were struggling as he used to. Right. Yeah, so he's awesome. So Greg, remember Greg? Greg the barber? Yeah. His friend. 
Greg would later be quoted saying that when Abraham first won the lottery, it wasn't only Abraham that was the winner. It was a whole community that won the lottery. That's very sweet to say. Yeah. So Abraham would go on to buy his dream home for just over $1 million. And he has his first taste of people taking advantage of him. The real estate agent knew about his win and inflated the price of the house from around $600,000 to over a million. What piss take. Yeah, what a wanker. And by the time that Abraham found this out, it was already too far into the sale and it was too complicated to pull out or he couldn't pull out. That's such a liberty. Yeah. You'd think, well, well, I always think if I'm going to win the lottery, I'm not going to publish it in the paper. Mm. But in America, there are only eight states where you can be an anonymous lottery winner. Oh. Whereas, well, in France and then in the UK, you can choose to go public or not. Yeah. So the states in America where you can choose to stay anonymous are Delaware, Kansas, Maryland. Is it Maryland or Maryland? Yeah, Maryland. Maryland. Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, South Carolina and Wyoming. So not where he lived then. If you're going to win the lottery, win them there. (laughs) So that was the first thing that kind of went a little bit wrong. And this is the next one. Do you remember Michael Ford, the uh, delivery driver friend that bought bought the ticket? I do indeed, yeah. I do remember him. So, yeah, Michael Ford, his old work partner, later approached Abe, demanding a share of the jackpot of no less than $1 million. Um, I don't think he should have demanded it. I actually think he has a right to that. He bought the ticket. He bought the ticket. For Abe, that was all. I probably, if I was Abe, I'd probably would have given him something. I wouldn't have. Pro- I would not think I would have given him a million. But imagine if you went in, I gave you five euros. You are my childhood friend. I would give you some money. I wouldn't give my work colleague any money. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't ask my work colleague to buy me a lottery ticket. So to me. There must have been some level of friendship that he felt like he could ask him to buy him a lottery ticket. Arguably, it was him that bought the ticket, not Abe. Abe didn't go and get it. Yeah, well, see, this is why I would never ask anyone to buy me a lottery ticket because I'd be like, what happens if I fucking win? I don't know, but maybe the man bought four lottery tickets. He kept two, gave two to Abe. Like, I don't, you don't know? No, he definitely only bought the two tickets. I just, I feel like he does have a stake on that lottery ticket. Yeah, well, I don't know how it would work nowadays because I always thought it was the person that bought the ticket that actually owns the rights. Yeah, I think you're right. But because Abe gave him the money straight away, like, to go and get the tickets, he paid with Abe's money and not his own money. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I don't know what their relationship was completely like. They used to be friends, like work friends. Yeah. So I don't know how this happened, whether Michael got leery about it straight away. So then A was a bit like, well, fuck you, actually. I'm not going to pay you anything. Or 
whether Abe just didn't want to pay him anything. I don't know. Maybe it was one of those things where it had to come from Abe. Like, he'd be like, oh, well, actually, yeah, you deserve some money. Abe refused to pay the $1 million because he was asking for at least, he was asking for half. And then he was like, no, I want at least a million. So $1 million is a lot of money. (laughs) It is. But when you've got 17 million, 17 million, you could literally live off the interest. I feel like the person that purchased that ticket for you, I think you should give them some money. Mm, I don't know, because if I had 17,000, I wouldn't want to give a 1,000 to somebody. But 17,000 isn't a lot. Yeah, I see what you mean. But it just depends on what their relationship was and how Michael was when, uh, when Abe won. Yeah. If he was like instantly on the phone shouting him and saying, Oh, we better give me half the money, absolutely I'd have dug my heels in as well and said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So I don't really know what went on behind the scenes here. But anyway, this prompted Michael to sue Abe, alleging that Michael had actually purchased the winning ticket for himself and that Abe had stolen it out of his wallet. But when over five witnesses came forward saying that Michael had told them originally the proper story where Abe had given him some money to buy tickets for him and then he went and bought it and then he just happened to win. Mm. And then Michael went and changed his story later on saying that actually, no, he bought them for for himself and Abe stole it. Over five people came forward saying that actually, no, that wasn't the first story that, uh, that he told us about it. But anyway, the jury would believe Abe and not Michael. So Michael didn't get any of the money. But Abe had to pay a lot of money in legal fees. Yeah. Yeah, I think he had a good lawyer as well, which helped. So he could now afford it. Exactly, yeah. Abe won that one. Good for him. In the beginning, Abe was living pretty frugally. So apart from the house that he bought, he only made two other large purchases. So one to buy a car, a Nissan Altima. And he also bought a Rolex, but from a pawn shop. So he didn't pay full price for, yeah. for the Rolex. And arguably, a Rolex is an investment, isn't it? So Yeah, exactly. He gave a lot of his money away. So he gave a million dollars to his mum's ex-partner's children. Okay. When they were kind of growing up, they were almost a kind of like brother and sister. Well, his stepbrother and sister. Yeah, stepbrother and sister. And when the parents split up, they still kept in contact and they stayed friendly. Yeah. So he gave a million dollars to his mum's ex-partner and his children. So he's like stepbrothers and sisters. Not all each, but to share between them. Yeah. And she went with him to go and collect the lottery money. Okay. He wanted to buy his mum a lovely brand new house, but she was like a no-fuss kind of woman and refused the new house. She just was quite happy just living where she was. Mm. She refused partly because she'd never be able to afford the taxes and bills on a big fancy new house. And also... She felt the money was the devil's money and would curse her son. And she ended up actually not being wrong about that. (laughs) Not maybe in the way that she thought. So Abraham, because he had to go public, 
was flooded with letters begging for money, people knocking at his door, begging for money, all these slimy friends, quote, you know, that ignore you when times are hard, but now he has money, they're all back and being his best friends. People all come out the woodwork when, when you've got money. Of course they do. So they were all there trying to see what they could get out of him. In the first few months, Abraham lent money to people, paid off total strangers' debts, mortgages, paid for funerals of people that came to him crying, saying that they've lost their relative and they can't afford the funeral. I mean, funerals are expensive. I get that. So in the first few months, he paid for five funerals. Wow, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. But it's all things that he's kind of had to do and he knows what it's like. Yeah. But it did get to him eventually. Abe was starting to feel burdened by the number of people that came to him just expecting a piece of the pie. Abraham was quoted to say, I would really like my old life back where I could walk the street in my neighborhood and for people not to come up to me begging for money. He told his brother, I'd have been better off broke. And he told one of his childhood friends that he thought all these people were his friends. But then he realized that all they want is his money. Bless him. That's really sad, isn't it? Because he was being really generous. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's when you're generous that you get all the bad people there, just uh, there. Yeah, of course. All the parasites. Now, Abraham didn't know that a good thing to do when you do suddenly come in with a lot of money, like a big lottery win, that you should get in in touch with a lawyer or a financial advisor, you know, the people that specialize in financial planning and investment management for the suddenly wealthy. So he didn't know that he had to do that. So he's not protected. He just has the family that he does have and that he can trust also don't know what to do with this amount of money. I mean, you really need to go to someone that knows what they're doing, that can invest it in places that it's not going to get, you're not going to lose any money, but that you can make money and live off the interest and, you know. Yeah. Oh, you got, yeah, you need a legal, you need a, like, financial advisor, don't yeah. you? Yeah, that's what, he didn't know that he needed, that he really should have got that. I mean... I mean, unless they said it and it kind of all went over his head in the first few days, but I think that's something that's down to the lottery should put you in contact with people like that. I thought in the UK, at least, that they make the first appointment, but maybe they don't. Yeah, Abe's getting all overwhelmed when all of a sudden the letters Abe were receiving started going unanswered. He no longer came to his door. No one saw him walking around outside. But it was when even his family couldn't get through to him that they turned to his business partner. So do you remember the LLC business that he opened, what I mentioned earlier, to help the community? Yep. Well, he opened it with a lawyer called Doris Donegan Moore, or Dee Dee for short. That was her nickname. Yep. Dee Dee helped him with the business that I mentioned earlier. Dee Dee also agreed on the fact that uh, Abe had said that he was tired of people asking for money, so she helped him leave town. She told his family that he'd gone to Jamaica 
because that's why he said that he was going, just to get away from it all for a little while. Right. But after months of absolutely no contact from Abe, the family knew that this just wasn't normal. He wouldn't abandon his son, because remember, he has a son. Yeah. You know, who, who he was, like, treating and buying things for. He didn't even call his son to see what he was doing. And not his mum, nobody. On the 9th of November 2009, Abe's family reported him missing, stating to the police that they had not physically seen him since April of that year. So that's a long time. I mean, yeah. And this is where I'm going to end the first part of the story. So on a bit of a cliffhanger, where is Abe? Potentially in Jamaica. Potentially. But nobody knows. But yeah, what the theme of my segment doesn't normally end well. But sometimes we get surprises, sometimes we don't. But yeah, that's why I'm going to end it this week. So yeah, tune in for next week, part two, and we'll go hopefully find out what happened to Abe. Who knows? I fantasize about winning the lottery so much. So do I. Like it's unreal. Yeah, so do I. I remember once I had a dream that I'd won the lottery. Actually, no, it was before I could win the lottery. It was when I was still like a like a young teenager. And my mum and dad had won the lottery. And I was like, this is a dream. It's not real. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. And my dad was looking at me and he was like, no, Becky, we've won the lottery. We're just like waiting to call them now. <laughs> I can't believe it's happened to us. All these millions and millions of euros, we've won the lottery. And I remember looking at my little brother and he was like, oh, I can buy so many things. I'm so excited. And then I woke up. I was so sad. <sighs> very, very sad. Anyway, have you got a song for us this week? Oh, yeah, I've got that to do, haven't I? Right. Please. Good job you said. I would have forgotten. And then Emma would have been like, what are you doing? You've forgotten the song. She would have been cross. All right, so... Here we go. Mm, 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 mm. You ready? I'm listening. Okay. I will take over your world. I will make it mine. Tell me, my princess. Shall I take your heart next? Or maybe your eyes? Should I make you dream or wonder? Before I roll you up in my magic carpet? Or maybe a whole different plan... A new fantastic one where you can't say no or tell me where to go. No more dreaming for you. Right, there we are. It ends abruptly. It did. It, sorry. I, I didn't want to go on with it. No, but it's fine because I know exactly what it is. Good. Because I put some clues in there. Yeah. And well, that were really obvious. So. If you don't get it, you're shit. <laughs> oh, shit. It took all my might not to sing it. Yeah. It took all my strength to uh, not say it. Sing in the In the tune, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well done. Very yeah. good. I thought I'd do something different. So if you think you know the answer to Becky's song this week, you can write in to us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at SCSK underscore podcast. You can find us on Facebook simply under Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. You can write into Becky. Yeah, 
by email on chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. So, yeah, you can send us your guess for the song that we've just read out, or you can send us uh, cases that you think will be in, that you'd be interested in us covering on the podcast, or if you have any creepy stories or hometown murders or anything, really, just send us in. Send us, send us stuff. Just share anything with us. We love to listen. We've also got a YouTube channel, but I can't remember what it is. I think it's just Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. Type that in, I'm sure we'll pop up. Spine Chillers and Serial Killers, you'll find us. Yeah, absolutely. Please, if you have the time in your busy, busy world and schedule, just to leave us a quick five-star review, that'd be awesome on apple podcasts or like on wherever you're listening if there's something that you could leave us a little review that'd be awesome it'd get us further up into the charts because we're only a little tiny weenie podcast but talk about us to your friends yeah because if you talk about us to your friends you might realize that your friends are just as weird as you and they'll like us as well like sometimes people are a little bit funny about telling people that they like listening to murder podcasts and it's only when you talk about it to other people that you realise that everyone lives listens to murder and creepy podcasts. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves true crime. Everyone loves the stuff that we can't explain. So Emma sends her love. Yeah, we hope your daughter feels better soon and I'm sure we will all be back together next week. Yes. So thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. Don't kill people. And And keep keep it weird. Bye. Bye. I need to burp as the jingle is on. Oh, it's not coming out. I hate that. Move positions. But tap your back. Pat your back. I just did. I tap my own fucking back. <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. Give yourself <laughs> a good you? pat. Do you go at the top or off or around well, the see, side? I just then. Like just go un- under and yeah, up. But mine's kind of blocked by tea. I feel like it's bubbling up. It's liquidy burp. Fuck off. Don't me. My burp. Don't burp shame. <laughs> I can't help my body is shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's staying in. (laughs) (laughs) Right.